0: Hello, I am Brendan Storr, host of the Ghost Story Guys. And I'm Joseph Camo, host of In Search of Ghosts. And this is Weird Together, where we talk about the latest and greatest in horror films because we're weird and you're weird. So why not be weird together? Amen. Weird Together is part of the Ghost Story Guys family, which also
1: includes the shows Mysteries and Monsters, Luke Lore, and Book of the Dead. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I zigged you broke You a me. Yes, I did.
0: You beautiful bastard. How are you doing, uh, Joseph?
1: You know, I'm doing okay. You know, it's, it's, you know, we were talking a little before going on air semester started up a little busy. Did I mention I have a PhD?
0: No, <laughs> I, I no, that's never come that up one. ever before.
1: Yeah. Never heard that. Yeah. No, uh, but I, I teach, so we're back busy life's 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 doing life stuff. You know,
0: I hear you. Same here. Came back from vacation in Los Angeles, hit the ground running, been kind of going since and, uh, yeah that was that was an experience. And honestly, I saw some movies we could probably could have done on the show, but that's a whole other conversation. Mm. We are we are not here to talk about my vacation. Instead, we are here to talk about a brand new horror film. Well, pretty close, to the brand new horror film Allegoria. And we're going to show you the weird together trailer to give you a sense of what the film's all about. Allegoria is a 2022 horror not quite anthology written and directed by Spider One of the band Power Man 5000 and starring Chrissy Fox of the band Nehigh High Fox. The film has five loosely related segments structured in a kind of backwards time loop that would make Christopher Nolan smile if the English still retained the genetic capacity to experience joy. We open on the kind of acting class that convinced me I wasn't cut out for a career in the performing arts. Where a burned out Luke Skywalker shouts insanity at a group of people who really need to be reminded that they outnumber him. From there, we meet the world's worst boyfriend as he wrestles with his forbidden love for a golem made up of the stuff at the bottom of the sink. Okay, not really, but that joke helped distract me from how disturbing I actually find this thing. Look at it! It looks like someone rolled a dipped ice cream cone in pet hair and wished it into terrible life. It's been days since I've seen the film and I still see that thing every time I close my eyes. The film continues to raid the storage closet that is my nightmares by depicting both a date where a woman holding a knife to her own throat isn't the low point of the evening, and a roommate who breaks every single human social convention by asking if you want to hear their monologue. Whoever is writing the next Saw installment, I hope you're taking notes. Is there a musical sequence that can summon pure evil? Does that pure evil take the form of a supernatural critic who looks suspiciously like Spider-1's brother Rob Zombie? You'll have to watch Allegoria to find out.
1: I think you did justice to that film right there.
0: Thank you. I was very conflicted over it, which is fitting because Allegor- Allegoria, I keep wanting to call it Allegoria. I don't know why. Um, you, know, actually, you know what it is? I was listening to The Barber of Seville mm. in The Overture you know, I was like, it was just, it was in my head. I couldn't help it. I actually considered singing and it, it just didn't work out. I I think think you made
1: the right choice. Yeah,
0: I think so too. I think so too. (laughs) But the film is about, uh, struggling through art and, and the struggle of art. And so I, I feel that, feel that in my soul. But before we get there, of course, we got to talk about our baggage and that's, you know, we walk into a film, Joseph, we don't just walk in blind. Every movie we see, you walk in with every other film you've ever seen behind you and some preconceived notions as well. So before we talk about the film, we're going to talk about the baggage. All right, J-Bone, what's, uh, give us your, your veiny, wrinkled baggage.
1: <laughs> uh, so for me, the tough part about this was trying to calibrate my expectations for the film. You know, it, go, when we started this stream, I was kind of new to the whole indie horror film genre. Um, didn't have a lot of experience in that. Um, and as we've watched through some of these films, this is a thing I've really kind of under, had to understand: is that you have to look at these things through kind of different lenses and measure them kind of differently. If they're an independent film versus a film that's a you know that's a total stinker by someone with a track record like Neil Blomkamp but you know, and demonic. We didn't uh, watch you know, any of those. So I don't know what the fuck you're know. talking about. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so this was tricky though, because there's some, some, we kind of interesting things here because, you know, as the, the trailer mentions, the director uh, is uh spider from uh power man, 5,000 brother of Rob zombie. So, you know, I wanted to avoid the temptation to shit on the film because of him, because that would be a cliche, easy, low hanging fruit, you know? Oh, it's Rob zombies, little brother trying to be a director too. You know, he followed his Ooh, path into being harsh. a rock star, and you know, and like I didn't want to go that route. Of, We'd
0: have to fight because I'm a fan. So okay, that, okay, there we go. <laughs> this, this would be a brawl.
1: But you know, there, there, there would be that would be an easy, low hanging fruit for sure. someone who wants to kind of take pot shots, right? And I, I yeah. wanted, I, so I wanted to give the film a fair shake and not hold it against him some, some preconceived notions because of the identity of the director, right?
0: Sure. Um,
1: But similarly, at the same time. You want to hold the, the film to the same to a uh, the same level of scrutiny you would from a director that doesn't have that name you know kind of recognition. So finding right. that balancing act of how to calibrate my expectations and treat the film fairly with knowledge mm-hmm. of the director w- was a little tricky for me. Um, Fair enough, you know. But recognizing it's kind of an indie low budget film and looking at through that lens. Um, and I did, you know, I, I didn't read the reviews of it, but I just saw kind of the quick snapshot of this reviews, so and they were kind of middling, you know, so I, I knew it wasn't, you know, totally, uh, you know, uh, demonic level bad. Uh, but you know, I, <laughs> but it was not, uh, necessarily going to be, uh, you know, a great, or it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, critically acclaimed. Let's just say that.
0: Right. I mean, I will say most horror films aren't, um, Fair. you know, that's, it's, it's one weird thing about horror, actually, a lot of the great ones, you only, sometimes you only recognize it 10 years later, yeah. you know, there have been films, I mean, The Thing was a, was a flop in its time, John Carpenter's The Thing, and of course, that's considered, you know, one of the greatest horror films of all time, and uh, there are films that now, that I think, yeah, 10 years down the road, people are going to go, oh, they're going to reevaluate it, you know, like Demonic, for example, you, Philistine, <laughs> But so that's um, my
1: baggage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fair. Okay. So, mine is similar in that um I, so, firstly, I, 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 I logged in favor of the film. Uh Although, before we get there, I want to say hi to the folks we have in the, the comments here. We got uh, Rin is here. It's fantastic to see Rin again. And Derek is here, too. Hey, man. Good to see you. Another fellow Victoriaite. At least I think you're still here. I'm sure you'll tell me if you're not. Uh, but yeah. So, in terms of baggage, I'm a, I'm a big, Power Man fan, you know, Power Man was a soundtrack in my 20s. Yeah, uh, I but possibly my late, Yeah, that's fair. Worth it. <laughs> I saw them on a bill here in Vancouver at the uh, Rickshaw. It was mid-2010s. I want to say it was their, um, oh, is it Somewhere on the Other End of Nowhere, something like that, that album? But uh, anyways, it's uh, it was five bands, 25 bucks, and it was the greatest show. You know, those guys who played stadiums, they could have been, they could have phoned it in. Because the venue was very small and they didn't, it was a fucking blast. Uh, so I'm a big fan of, a big fan of his stuff. Um, and to be honest, a handful of interviews I've seen him in and listened to with him. He just sounds like a very low key guy. He doesn't sound like he's doing the big star treatment. In fact, you know, there was one interview I watched or listened to with him where I kind of thought the host talked over him repeatedly. And I thought, shut the fuck up and let the man talk, Mm -hmm. you know, Jesus Christ. But, uh, anyways, Uh, The other piece of baggage or another piece of baggage is the lead actress, Chrissy Fox. And I don't really know her material much. I I listened to her on the movie, the movie crypt podcast a while back, but I know she is from Campbell river, which is a small town, just about three and a half hours of North where I am now. And I got to, as someone from a a small town, probably maybe smaller than Campbell river. I, I have to, you know, say hats off to anyone who got the fuck out of there. So I'm, I'm, I'm already in the bag just on the basis of that. And then the third thing is I'm a giant whore for horror anthologies, you know? Mm. So like scare package, uh, the VH, well, most of the VHS series, not part three, uh, VHS 94 is stellar. Apparently there's another one coming out. Very excited. So I was, I was a receptive audience and as we'll, as we'll kind of discuss, there are things I probably forgave because of that. But even so, I think even if you stick that aside, I think it's, it was, it's an enjoyable time at the movies. But, of course, we'll talk about that in the Toctagon. Welcome to the Toctagon. Two men enter. Two men leave. All right. All right. Loosen it up here. I've barely been able to walk the last week. But I'm going to whip your ass. All right. So. right. All right. Let's well, bring it. That's right. I have done uh, 118th of the preparation you have, but uh, <laughs> I've got the Lord on my side. No, I don't even have that. I'm kidding. Of course. <laughs> So uh hit me. What's right. your what's your first thought?
1: All right. So one thing I liked about the film. Um I liked that at the beginning they avoided any kind of exposition dump, right? You right. Know, And you know, that's an easy trap to fall into if you've got a limited amount of time. Uh so, you know, as they always say, being able to show instead of tell. Um I appreciate that the the writer and director and and the, the everyone behind this kind of did not start with that so instead they start out you know kind of uh you know following this acting coach who as you mentioned you know he looks kind of like uh you know that burnout version of luke skywalker (laughs) you know that we see in the recent film so i thought that was kind of interesting
0: i gotta say i thought he looked more like an acting coach themed wwe wrestler i give you big john (laughs) dud
1: that's fair okay so uh, yeah, so they start out with him, and I thought that was that I you know I thought that was interesting uh, in terms of a way to start the film. So then they go on and you know and there's some interesting stuff here. You know I uh, you know there's there's some really interesting backlit shots where the guy is spitting. Huh? That
0: was really well lit. I love yeah, that.
1: It was interesting, right? And there were there were a couple other shots lit differently. So give them credit for that. But you know, and it was interesting because you see all the spittle in, it, in your trailer that shows it really well. Man, I just though have to wonder if this actor like single handedly brought about another variant, the allegoria variant, (laughs) uh, because there was so much spittle just going everywhere. But anyway, you know, he does his thing. And then, you know, the the lead actress uh, kind of comes up and, you know, does her thing and becomes sort of a undead vampire exorcist monster or something. I don't know exactly what it was. Right. I believe that's a scientific term. I think so. Yeah, I think that's specific. So. You know, of course, I picked the wrong day to make salsa verde and you know enjoy it. So, um, so they open, you know, so they kind of do this kind of interesting open that sets the stage for as we as we go into later points that ends up being kind of a central theme of the whole anthology uh, film. So, I liked the way they chose to approach it, dropping you in kind of the middle of it and then explaining it later as things unraveled and avoiding that exposition
0: dump. Yeah. And I got to say the guy, I mean, all the performances I actually thought were pretty solid, uh, all Mm -hmm. things considered, you know, I know the way the film was sort of constructed was the opening sequence was a short that was shot completely separate from the rest of the film. And then they, I think they may have submitted that to one or two festivals. And then it was, uh, they decided to build it out into a, a larger project. But um, I thought John Ennis was really great. And apparently his thing is usually more comedy. He's not really mm-hmm. a dramatic guy. He does, apparently, according to uh, an interview I read with Spider, yeah, he's more of a funny guy, which mm-hmm. I thought was r- surprising because he was very unpleasant and not in a, not in a hammy way. <laughs> yeah, very intense. Yeah. And I, may, I mean that about acting. Like I, you know, when I was younger, I used to do school plays and there was part of me that thought, oh, you know, I, I wonder if I could do this, you know, on a semi-permanent basis or if I could make money at this. And uh, well, one I look like this, so no. And two, I'm just not gonna stand in a corner with someone and go me, moo, 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 my 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 my, <laughs> or let some maniac shriek at my at me. <clears throat> like I, I was on the stage crew for a production of Hello Dolly back home once, and they just kept drilling us. This one scene change, they kept drilling us and drilling us and drilling us, and it, it was a midnight, and I was a teenager. I was I'd go to school in the morning, so that's sort of my. I'm just I, I was not cut out for the the theater.
1: Yes. Real quick, let me just say, hey, got a couple. Rafael Casillo jumped in. He's actually someone uh, who uh, is a uh, part of the community around my other YouTube channel. So, Rafael, thank you for dropping in here. Um, And and Street Ride, Derek, I think you said his name was, um, made an interesting observation that that transformation that kind of I mentioned, you know, here looked a little bit like something, you know, evil did. Yeah, very much so. Um, so just want to kind of, so yeah. And then, uh, Rin saying my main problem with the movie is that I figured out the twist well before they happen. That's my baggage since the game, I can't stop trying to figure out what's going on.
0: So, all right. Fair. I mean, we, all, I, we were all blindsided by the game, so I, I get it. <laughs> I will say the, the acting thing, um, that's one, one of my few beefs, like true beefs with a film. And it's, I know it's, it's an intentional choice by, by the director. So, you know, it's his movie. He knows what the fuck he's doing but I think he holds some of his takes too long.
1: Okay.
0: You know, I, and I, again, in interviews, he said that was intentional. He was sort of aping some, I shouldn't say aping, but he was, you know, it's an homage to some of his favorite directors from the seventies who used long takes and I'm not opposed to long takes, but there were certain cases where I thought and cut, we're going to cut away now. No, we're not going to cut away. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've got a clip here, which is an example and it's the evil dead moment. So I'm going to show you here.
1: Look at me.
0: Like that's a lot of shouting. And I, I really, you know, to me, I think the more effective method would have been, you know, the reveal, the scream, the very well deserved wrist break, cause keep your fucking hands to yourself mm-hmm. and, uh, then just cut to black, you know, cause the problem with, with when you, when you stay after the scream is over, there's a little bit of that, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. So what's being dead? Like, you know, it's almost like <laughs> you, you have to figure out the logistics of the scene. Now it's like when movies, when you see a guy falling, you know, uh, they cut away because they don't want you having to go, uh, you know, continually drawing breath as you as you wind your way down. So that, that was one of my few, again, like major stylistic beasts with the film. It feels like a place where maybe he should have sacrificed his darlings.
1: Right. You know? Yeah. You, yeah. you know, he just I, 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 I respect and appreciate wanting to pay homage, but the art form has to work. And make those, some of those scenes like, OK, there's one that I think wasn't so bad like that work. When he's sitting on the couch next to that that thing from the bottom of the sink that monster. Oh yeah, yeah. And then they do the shot of it because that creature's already been revealed, you're not losing any impact. You've already seen it in shots. And if you want to just do that long drawn out, that works because there's something and I'll get to this later about him just sitting there nonchalantly with it that adds this weird layer of is he under some sort of you know, kind of is, is he, why is he not leaving? Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. holding that shot would have worked. This one took away from the impact.
0: Yes, I agree. Yeah. Cause as I say, long takes, you know, nothing wrong with it when, when properly used. And I, I really, you know, in the trailer, I wasn't being facetious talking about how much I liked that creature. Mm-hmm. Like that was pretty gross and pretty effective. Mm-hmm. And there was something about the eyes and the teeth though. Like that was really had, what stuck with me. It just seemed really unhinged. Mm-hmm. And that, that really kind of probably more than anything else in the film, I think really, you know, creeped me out.
1: Yeah. And Rin's, listen, Rin, this is why I regretted the salsa Verde, right? <laughs> Whatever that she's spinning up, it didn't, did not look appealing. Right.
0: I mean, I guess if it's a zombie, we did we shouldn't, you know, is here, a spewing out creme de menthe. It, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense about those takes. Anything you want to add to that before I jump into my next one?
0: No, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think, we've sort of reached a point where there are a lot of people trying to ape the whole one take thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there was that one, um, it was a, it was a direct to video action film called one shot that came out earlier this year. And it it's literally the whole film is, I mean, it's, it's several, probably about seven takes spliced together, but it's meant to be like one continuous thing. And, and I, I understand people are into that. Uh, not that that's necessarily what this was, but it just, it's not really my thing. Cause it, it starts to call attention to itself. And that's how I felt yeah. about some of these, some of these shots, but uh, over to you.
1: Okay, so the next thing I uh, I just kind of <laughs> I enjoyed sort I don't know if I enjoyed it, I thought it was interesting kind of that that self absorbed kind of artist dude and I just love oh, yeah. how like how he's like sitting on there on the couch talking with his girlfriend on the phone the the zombie exorcist vampire uh, person uh, and I love that like this artist is like you know he's he's asking her why she's wasting her time with this acting shit right. With this tone so condescending that I'm sure he must have a dozen growlers of microbrewed IPA in his fridge. Right? It's just like, <laughs> like, so like he's questioning her life choices as a as a as a as an actor, and he's this artist. So anyway, then we have this scene where he's kind of like, you know, looking in this mirror, right? And it, it felt, you know, like ooh, the sad artist. And it felt like this cliche, you know, an asshole who's actually sad inside and wasn't <laughs> hugged enough as a child. Right. right. But then, oh no, all is well. Self-absorbed uh, artist dude pulls himself out of his bout of self-awareness by reciting some sort of manosphere psycho ba- psychobabble, right? Never mind, right? And I'm good, right? So then we got him sitting on the couch very nonchalantly, and he's just seemed way too calm with that creature. Like I, j- I just half expected, you know, him to offer him an IPA, right? Just just <laughs> like, hey dude, what's up, man? So You know, I thought, but I thought, you know, that whole segment was kind of interesting, you know, but I just the irony of this artist lecturing someone about pursuing their dreams as a waste of time or something. So,
0: Uh, but I I actually thought that was a really effective um, illustration of that kind of relationship, Mm. you know, because I I do think, um, you know, as you know, I I sort of classify myself as an artist and I think there is this tendency in artist relationships to uh, like, to to sort of, you, you kind of, Maybe you find someone who's not as, as far as you are in your sort of career. Mm-hmm. And I think if you are strong inside, you help the other person come up. But I think if you're weak, you mm-hmm. need to have that other person in sort of that, uh, almost like a, like a supplicant or ap- acolyte kind mm-hmm. of role, you know, someone who's sort of your, she's like under you. And so, you know, her getting into this acting class before, you know, nerdlinger figures out the keys to hell as as we'll discuss, <laughs> you know, I think this is a big deal. This is a real opportunity for her. And he's the kind of narcissist dipshit who's got to try and knock that down. And so I, I, and I think that's probably not an uncommon relationship, you know, among artists, if I had to guess.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah.
0: I, I will say there's a film, I think it's, uh, was directed by Joe Bigas. I came out, I want to say 2018, maybe 2019. It's called Bliss. And, you know, it's, it's, it's ostensibly a vampire film, but it's very much about art and artists. And between that and this, uh, you know, though I am a very lonely man, I think perhaps I should not be trying to, to make connections with artists because I couldn't deal with this shit.
1: (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That maybe there's only room for one self-absorbed douchey person in the relationship, right?
0: Me. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. No, I mean, you could have said no, Bren, no, but that's fine. That's fine. I'll remember this. (laughs) put you in a home. But anyway, <laughs> continue.
1: Uh, that's, that's my, I just want to kind of comment on him. So that's kind of that point.
0: Right. I, and you know, I think again, the, the film is sort of about suffering for art because, you mm-hmm. know, uh, spider and I, it's weird calling him that. Um, it's weird calling anyone that, but you know, in interviews he has said that when he was trying to come up with a connecting thread for the various segments, because again, he said, it's not really an anthology. It's more, uh, quasi anthology because they're not, they are connected, you know, and there, and there's not necessarily like a, there's a wraparound, but it doesn't necessarily encompass all the other films. You know, it's not like say mm-hmm. the VHS films where there's sort of this right. wraparound thing, that kind of brings it all together. So he said, it's more of like a quasi anthology, but, uh, he said he realized that the language around creation, around art is always very violent and very much kind of oriented around suffering. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wonder if the artist what we're meant to take away from him being so comfortable with um, the sink monster is that it is like, he recognizes it that like he kind of, in a way sort of birthed that. And that is the thing which will help him complete the remainder of the painting. You know, like we we're, we're kind of familiar with our demons.
1: Mm-hmm. So it, interesting. He was so comfortable with it because it was almost like his really demented muse of sorts or it was, it was somehow tied to his art. It was, it was necessary for his art maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe I know, you know, there's a lot of people who, um, actually I was just listening to a podcast the other day where they did an ad for BetterHelp and, mm-hmm. you know, one of the hosts was sort of joking that his mental illness, because it's a skit and the mental illness was saying, oh, without me, you're not funny. And I do think there are people, uh, artists, I know for a fact, there are artists who think that their, their mercurial bullshit and mm-hmm. their toxicity is sort of some intrinsic part of their art. You know, if I'm not being an asshole, then I I don't know who I am. And I I think that's how we end up enabling some really bad behavior from artists is we, we sort of say, well, they can't do, you know, they can't do it if they're, uh, if they're not dicks to people. And I I think that's nonsense. I just think Mm -hmm. we've kind of let that slide for so long.
1: If you'll, and I don't know if you had something else you want to throw there, but what you just mentioned kind of leads into kind of my next point. And I did enjoy how the different kind of vignettes or segments were threaded together because there was sort of this thread. It wasn't, you know, this, as you said, it was kind of a quasi anthology, but there was a continuity there, right? So you see here, you know, the screenwriter, right in that second segment. And if you look in the background, you'll actually notice that the, that face on, if it's not the same painting, it seems to be an uh piece by the same artist depicting the similar entity right you see a little bit there
0: yeah right? i believe and it's I, meant to be the same painting
1: yeah except it doesn't look like it has him on it if that makes sense the, the him in the bottom right. left there and i i caught that the first time i think you mentioned it, you didn't catch it till the second time right correct um so i thought that was interesting right so there's that continuity but you've also got in the next kind of segment ivy and her you know doom date they were discussing seeing the film adaptation of the whistler right from that previous one that's the film they said they had gone to see right so you've got that and then there's also later it's kind of mentioned in a later segment that ivy used to date self-absorbed artist dude so she used to date him right another thread oh i missed um, that completely yeah it's much later it's when the two girls and the roommates are talking about yeah his his ex was legitimately crazy like psycho ivy i like, so that's. oh jeez in-
0: i've seen this movie twice Joseph. what the fuck is wrong with me
1: I Well, I, that's that'd be a long podcast in and of itself, but yeah. Um, so you know, so
0: <laughs> and, there's that. And.
1: And, and and but on a side note, after Ivy holds that knife right to her throat and then shows this dude pictures of her art, right? Buddy Holly here is still interested, right? <laughs> so I'm, like, like what's up with that? Like, dude, homeboy has the survival instincts of a male praying mantis. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, consume my cranium as long as we can have sex first, right? So,
0: like, what's Who up? Who spoiled with that? the inscription on my tombstone for you?
1: Sorry, <laughs> my bad, dude. So you've got those continuities, right? And it doesn't end there, right? So you've got these continuities. Well, when you know, finally, he, you know, he does get what he has coming to him. The guitar there, you may or may not have noticed, is the same guitar. And I look closely to check some of those Hot Topic stickers. And it is the same guitar that's being oh, played later, right?
0: Nice work, my friend.
1: Listen, dude, this is what I bring. I bring nothing else, it's attention to these details, right? <laughs> um, that's true. So, and and and, a, and a, I also bring a glowing bald spot, but aside from it's that, true. right? Uh, so you've got those continuities, but they don't end there because, but big wait, baby, there's more, yes, but wait, there's more, big baby the film they're watching, the roommates are watching, is actually the the screenwriter is that guy from the second vignette who wrote The Whistler, right? Right. This is one of his films. Now, I will say, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, the director, Spider-One, did a good job of lampooning legitimately crappy horror films, but I think he could have saved himself some time and he could have just used an actually crappy horror film (laughs) and... You know, and just borrowed a, a segment from Bomb camp's Demonic. I mean, no one would have noticed. No one's watching except you and me. Maybe some that I'm missing. But obviously, you know, the roommate, uh, she is the girl from the, the acting class, right? So obviously, yeah. everyone catches that. So I enjoyed the little threads. Some of them sure. were more obvious. Some of them, you know, you had to kind of pay more closer attention. And I imagine there might have even been, you know, one or two that I missed. But I, but I did enjoy how he tied it together in a not too overt way in some cases.
0: Yeah, no, that was very, very subtle and very effective. And like I said, I missed some of them because I'm just, yeah, you know, I'm very handsome and sexually <laughs> potent. And sometimes, you know, the Ferrari can't slow down uh, long enough to catch the little details. So it happens. Yeah. That's moving what it on. is. That's what it is. Yeah. We're going to, we're just going to leave that right where it is. But um, <laughs> I will say the movie, I, I actually really appreciated the movie, the big baby movie, not because I would, well, no, I'd probably watch a big baby movie. I watched recently a film called Skull of the Mask, so I'd watch a baby, a big baby movie. But Big Baby looked uh, the film, the styling of the film, and I, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it was very similar to. It reminded me of these. Um, wasn't Big Baby almost a direct lift from Happy Death Day? Uh kind of, yeah. I mean, it's sort of the ch- the cherub. I mean, yeah. In ter- in terms of the look of it, at least, yeah. Wh- what I meant is more like the 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 style and the delivery. It was similar to these. Oh, I can't remember the director's name, but it was a series of VHS horror movies that came out in the 80s, sort of when that when the video market was booming. But Hollywood films hadn't quite filled the gap yet, so there was a lot of people who shot movies on VHS. Hmm. Uh, and a lot of them have been republished, thankfully, by the American genre film archives. There's stuff like Jungle Trap, Sledgehammer. Um, uh, what was the other one? Run, Fox, Run, or Run, Rabbit, Run. But anyways, so I thought, I, again, don't know if it's intentional, but if it seemed like a very cool homage, both in look and sound to those, those sort of, um, OG shot on film, uh, horror movies, or so shot on VHS rather, like, they're very basic. I mean, Joseph, if you ever bored, Sledgehammer is on shutter. Duly noted. <laughs> like, show the kids forget death note. Come on, right. come on, son. We're going to look at some horror film history. We're going to watch the McPherson tape and then we're going to watch Sledgehammer yeah I, also I mean, now i'm divorced
1: <laughs> and my yeah my children are wards of the state so you know that's <laughs> oh, it's yuck. good enough for my father it's good enough for your kids <laughs> oh man yeah we, we <laughs> went deep there uh yeah, dark. Dark. To, rin says the date is the same actor who was skinned alive in buffy okay oh i'm okay. not i'm not that's not i didn't watch the series buffy so okay nice catch there
0: I, I actually nearly flipped out because the woman I I don't know I haven't pardon me I haven't found her on IMDb yet, although I haven't looked very hard. But the woman who plays Ivy looks so much like a woman who used to work uh she was she was an actress and she worked at the diner around the corner from my house. And for a second I thought, holy shit, did she finally get she, okay. She made not, it, it Yeah, I don't think it <laughs> as was much harder, as much uh, as this
1: is making it.
0: <laughs> I you know it to be a part of an artistic community is not a bad thing. Um oh. I know a number of the folks in this have turned up in other Power Man 5000 videos, and I think possibly some Nehigh Fox videos. I was kind of watching some stuff. I don't I don't really know their music, but I was watching some videos today, and I thought I saw some some uh, familiar faces.
1: Nice. Okay. Interesting. And then uh, Bryn's saying, Big Baby made remember the baby. I will never uh, forgive being reminded of that movie. Don't think I've seen that movie. Well, while you're talking, I'm going to
0: look it up because I must okay.
1: know. <laughs> okay. Well, while you're looking it up, uh, why don't I kind of get into my last point? Unless you think you're going to be really quick with that.
0: Uh, I mean, usually that's kind of the story of my life, but uh, no, <laughs> Did I, um, I have, I got, I got big baby coming right now. So uh, okay, the baby, the baby. Oh yeah. The baby, big baby, whatever. It's not porn. We'll be fine. Right. Right. I hope. Um, I still have a lot of vintage pornography that I have not taken out of the shrink wrap. Oh, well, it's good to know. there we go baby there shall be mayhem wherever he goes okay well rin i must see this now (laughs) yes so we know what you'll be doing later okay yeah Uh, i was gonna say we know what the next dream is well you're right there you go
1: (laughs) all right so okay so did you okay so uh that was uh, so i kind of went through those continuities did you have something you wanted to kind of bring up after that
0: no no please go ahead
1: okay so Kind of the last kind of main point I want to go over is what kind of wrapped up the the story, right? Oh wait, I'm here, sure I'm saying, oh, it's a, it's bad. i watched it uh, with the drunk. And the oh, with the drunk in a
0: graveyard people early in the pandemic. Okay. The uh, drunk in a graveyard is a podcast, and uh, I guess like a writing collective out okay. of uh, Kamloops, BC.
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So. So we, so we got through those continuities. So kind of then it starts to wrap up and bring everything together. And it, it kind of starts with what I have come to call the band practice of the dam. And, you know, and then you've got this student who's like, Hey, I found a series of manifest notes that manifest evil. And I thought that I did think, you know, there were things I liked about the film. I thought this whole, I found a series of notes that manifest evil felt a little flimsy but with that said, I did sit through demonic, so I was kind of used to that kind of stuff. I've seen worse.
0: <laughs> you got the same uh, one twice because I didn't move fast enough. But you got the idea.
1: I got the idea right. Um, but you know, I did think that the the entity that appeared, you know, after roommate plays the evil notes, was you know legitimately creepy, especially when it's kind of right behind her. Sure. Um, you know, when she's walking down the hall. And I did think that the monologue by the undead vampire exorcist roommate, I thought it, it was creepy. And, I mean, I thought it was a good bit of acting. I thought it was interesting. Uh, maybe there's people who are more uh, astute and critical than I that might kind of rip it apart. But I, I i thought it was interesting and well done. I really enjoyed the roommate's response. Like, oh, sure, Sure, Jan.
0: <laughs> you
1: know, so... And it just overall, I think, like you, that the acting was, was solid. I mean, we've watched some films, indie low-budget films, that had a lot of merits to them. But the acting was, you know, people who were, you know, first-time actors or kind of not as accomplished, and um, that the acting was spotty in some of those films. But we still enjoyed them. Um, and, you know, for the things we might critique about this, I thought that the acting was, was generally pretty solid.
0: Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Uh, in terms of the band practice of the damned, I will say that is sort of one of my nightmares being stuck in a room with a bunch of music nerds talking <laughs> about music theory. Steve from hexagram is a wonderful guy mm-hmm. and you know, he, he tries to teach me about sort of harmonics and you know, he's so smart and I'm such a dope. And I just, you know, I, I just, it sails so far above my head and that is my, my nightmare. But I will say if anyone ever figures out how to undo the fabric of reality, fabric of reality and do all, it's going to be a guy who looks like this. Right thousand percent someone who's never known the sweet touchable woman that's just the way it's going to go that's okay it will be a great goose scenario but grosser
1: one one other thing i just want to mention and i don't know if this was an intent was kind of an easter egg or sort of an homage as well you know they mentioned like d minor something being like the the whatever the most beautiful chord or whatever and um i just wonder if there's kind of a there was a little bit of a a callback to uh uh, spinal tap and there's a, a scene in that where nigel Tuftil or whatever his name is is playing a beautiful piece on piano and and the directors are like, oh that's beautiful uh yeah he's like, and he starts talking about oh you know d minor is the saddest of all chords oh it's very beautiful what's it called lick my love pump right you know but it's just <laughs> but anyway that whole saddest of all chords is kind of a march that actually was referenced in goodwill hunting there's a Easter egg and in there anyway. So I wonder if there was some sort of connection to that spinal tap
0: thing. Could very well be. Know. I, I yeah. will say that something that, you know, like, cause obviously I, I watch a lot of movies and I love movies, you know, and I talk to a lot of people who watch movies and, and quite often I think people don't necessarily understand a, how difficult it is to make a film and b how much that generally speaking, people who make films love movies. So I, I remember talking to someone, they were talking to, I, they were talking about some independent film and there was a decision like this. It was something like this. And he said, well, that there's no way they'd know what that is. There's no way they'd know what the, the, the idiot who made this is not going to know what Spinal Tap is. And I thought, I bet this, you know, idiot you're talking about has seen a hundred times more films than you have and loves them way more than you do. You know, I think, I don't know, for some reason people get this arrogance when they watch Mm. movies and they think, oh, I know everything, but I think, man, again, going back to the movie crypt podcast, the director, Joe Lynch, That guy knows so much about the craft of filmmaking. He just fucking, he's a director and he loves movies. You know, he knows Mm -hmm. lenses and he knows F stops and he understands, you know, mixing and editing. And it's like, I, you know, I, I, when I was much, much younger, I sort of got it in my head, like, oh, I wonder if I could make movies. And as I get older, I realized I don't, I just don't have the, I mean, I've seen about four or 5,000 movies, but I would argue I don't have the, uh, like the, the depth of knowledge still to do that properly, you know? Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. And again, I just don't think people respect that. You know, I think people kind of come to movies partially because they're not taught to, you know, we're sort of taught to view everything th- through the same lens. So it's the same lens watching Jurassic park as watching allegoria. And quite frankly, having seen the new Jurassic park movie, I, my allegoria is much better. <laughs> right. You know,
1: there's, there's something to that. There's not, I think there's when people who are, there's, there's sort of this expertise that people have in fields and people underestimate what it takes to do that. You know, you and I both do creative endeavors that involve a lot of work and not saying we're the best at what we do, but we do our thing. Um, and I think when you get involved in something creative and re- realize how much work it is and how hard it is to accomplish even what we get, you know, produce what we produce and then see what people who we respect do and like, wow, realize what it takes to get there. Yeah, man. I think, you know, as much as we're making some jokes, we're also trying to balance that with acknowledging things that we liked about the film. And as much as I take pot shots at, at a demonic, it's more uh pock shots at you because it's fun. Uh, but that's fair, but, you know, recognize, you know, I think when you recognize that, like, I'm never going to say, Oh, that person has no talent or whatever. Like, that's just ridiculous. Um, you know, when you, when you do something, you realize how much goes into it and you have to kind of respect, even if the product isn't as good as other products out there, if that makes sense. Um There's some, there's things yeah. that these people know about filmmaking that I don't even realize I should know. Right.
0: Yeah. And there are so many mitigating factors too, when you're examining a movie, really like the, the, the budget, you know, I mean, that's a huge factor. I, I just, an example, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because it's not really germane to you know what we're doing, but there's uh, the ghostwriter films with Nicolas Cage you know, they're pretty bad, but they're fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the second one I actually quite like, but a lot of, it did very poorly in theaters and was very poorly reviewed. And part of the reason it was poorly reviewed is because it doesn't really have a back half. Mm -hmm. And that is because the budget was halved Mm -hmm. partial way into pre production. Mm -hmm. And so when you're going from 80, I was, I want to say it's like 80 million to 40 million or 70 million. Like that's a substantial, that's a massive reduction. Yeah. And consequently the film is, yeah, it, it suffers for it. And these are not things in the artist's control. You know, you can't get pissy at someone for being like, well, you lost half your shooting days, make do. But a lot of people, we just were, again, we sort of treat everything like a commodity. And I honestly feel like, you know, and I had this conversation with, with briefly with uh, Mike Scott from, uh, action for everyone. I feel like we've reached a point with, with, I want to say amateur criticism. At least I don't think people like movies. These mm-hmm. people, I don't think they enjoy the process. I think, they get into it because they want to be more than something. They want to mm-hmm. put themselves above something and kind of declare themselves smarter than or better than. And I, I don't think it comes from a place of love. Cause if, like I right. said, I, I actually, yeah, I, I liked this movie. I mean, I wasn't crazy about it, but I, I liked it mm-hmm. and I recognize, yeah, it's got faults. But at the same time, I mean, it was made by a, a very committed core group of friends mm-hmm. and distributed. You know, I think it was only shown theatrically once, mm. you know, and yeah, so I think well, you have to kind of take things on their own terms, and I think if right. you can't, you're just going to miss out.
1: Well, and that that comes back to kind of what I mentioned: my baggage, calibrating expectations, right, and and seeing it through, for what you know through the appropriate lens. And you know, you mentioned kind of these things that they have to make decisions, and maybe setting up a joke. Kind of talked about how I thought the the dude saying I found these notes that was a little bit flimsy, and but that was probably how are you, you know, because what you know they probably had limited budget to demonstrate that, you know, uh, but you know, Rin says here, you know, uh, could an extra scene where the band dude discovers the notes may have made a difference. And maybe if you're looking for, maybe if you're looking for a show, but don't tell, you know, kind of a thing, maybe having a scene where you see him fiddling and and some, I don't know. And finding who knows. Right. But uh, uh, Derek says, I kept wanting one of the band members to count uh, with a counter with a, yeah, it's called the devil's tritone. They discovered over a century ago. Um, you know, they did say, uh, I think they, their retort when he mentioned that was, yeah, black Sabbath's already found it or whatever. So, right, yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah. You you mentioned, and I think in our last or one of our previous streams, you even mentioned, uh, that vampires movie where instead of showing, right.
0: John Carpenter's vampires. Yeah. They ran again, they ran out of money. So the final assault in the mine is just sound effects over a panning shot of the sky. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so you know, those are yeah, those are real things. Uh, directors have to deal with so.
0: All right, well, one last thing remains, Joseph. What'd you think? What'd you think? Gotta uh, tell you, my friend, a month away has not improved that. It's still, it actually makes it creeps me out more now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's full cringe, and you've embraced it
0: welcome so to my life. I
1: haven't, but you have.
0: So, you know, he has, he has. <laughs> don't let him fool you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, would you recommend allegoria? I would recommend it to
1: people who like indie horror films. I wouldn't right. recommend it to a general audience.
0: Um, that's fair. Yeah. I would say the same. Um, I would say again, I, it's sad that you can't see it on the big screen. Cause I do think it would play well. And, um, you know, it's nice and short, which I love that. And that's actually, I think it really works in its favor. I think it's about 70 minutes without mm. credits. And I, I like, I kind of love that. Maybe, I know, I think it might even less, might be 60 years. No, maybe 65, 70 minutes with credits. I love that. I, I like when a film doesn't have to be, or isn't any longer than it needs to be, you know, like, yeah. uh, like host Rob's, I think it's Rob Savage directed that, but it's fantastic movie. And it's 56 minutes, 50, it's just perfect. Yeah. It, it's on shutter. Watch it. You'll shit your pants.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you keep trying to find movies that will scare me. And I'm like, eh, that's what, that one was okay. Uh, I got you
0: once, didn't I? Or it was close. Well, there to was it?
1: one that I thought was kind of creepy. Yeah. I don't know. So Derek's saying I had to rewatch the last five minutes because I fell asleep. Okay. Well, that doesn't bode well for it, but you know, there we go.
0: I mean, I, I the first time I watched it, I started watching it at about eh, 1230 at night and I also fell asleep, but I don't think that's film's fault. I think that's just me getting old. I, I sort of have to ask myself realistically now hitting midnight. Am I gonna start a movie? Am I actually gonna watch this whole fucking thing? You know, like I started one the other night at 1:30. What hubris, Joseph? What hubris. Uh, yes, yes. Jesus. Oh, never mind. I was gonna take an edible, finish this all the way off. <laughs> all right. So any final thoughts, my big beautiful bald friend.
1: In general, I did enjoy it. Um, you know, it's it's I enjoyed it probably more than I thought I would going in. Um, there were some there sure. were definitely some things I liked about it. There were some things, you know. To critique but um i think you know it, i think it has, sort of has this three star out of five star rating is kind of where it seems to reside and i think that's probably real, a pretty fair rating for it
0: yeah yeah I, I would agree with that um i will say i know the same um the same pair uh spider and chrissy are working on i think they're in post-production on bury the bride their next film so i okay. i will definitely be watching that because i'm curious to see curious to see what they can do you know yeah, where uh, they go say- from here right yeah, that's exactly it. So I'm, I am very curious and, uh, we shall see. And like we said before, this is streaming on Shutter. Um, it's not a Shutter exclusive, so you can rent it elsewhere. I know it's fourteen uh, ninety $14.99 or five, five bucks to rent it in the Canadian, um, the Canadian place, Google play store. And I think it's about 15 bucks to buy it. And as always, we beseech you do not pirate independent movies. It is very, very difficult to get these things funded because the ancillary market is terrible. And it's harder and harder to make a living. And so independent movies, I mean, you are gonna Pirate Avengers Endgame. Well, that's a conversation. But (laughs) uh, yeah, if you can, it's not going to kill you to put five bucks towards Allegoria because, yeah, it's 70 minutes well spent. All right. Well, Joseph, looks like we're going to bring it in under an hour. So uh, where can people find you online?
1: Uh, You can find me at at, uh, ISO underscore ghosts in search of ghosts. Um, and you can find me obviously at our YouTube channel here for We're together.
0: Perfect. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at largely the truth. Of course, I'm the host of, uh, the ghost story guys podcast with Paul Bestel. I'm also the host of the currently furloughed, but hopefully back at some point in the fall, largely the truth of Brennan store. And the second expanded edition of my book, a strange little place is, uh, well, the manuscript is, should be going in here within a week or two. So, uh, after that we shall see. And we will be back in one month's time. I believe we, we decided it was going to be September 28th. And we have no idea what the film is going to be because so much good stuff has been coming out. Uh, we were originally going to do Incantation on the show. And then um, when we decided to do Allegoria and then at the last minute Glorious came out on mm-hmm. Shudder. And I know that's getting a lot of buzz, but we thought, no, 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 we've committed. So who knows what it's going to be, but I'm sure it's going to be fun. It always is. Bryn thinks
1: it was fun. Thank you, Ren, for being here. We appreciate you.
0: Hey, we really do, Ren. and Derek. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. And everyone who comes uh-huh. afterwards, who list- listens via the Ghost Story Guys Patreon, you know, we appreciate every single one of you. Uh, thank you so much. And I guess that's it. Yeah. So we will be back in one month's time because we're weird. And you're weird. So why not be weird together? We will see you next time, guys.